All right. Well, good morning, everyone. We're so glad again to see you. Uh, really, I wish I could see you because I can't see you. You can see me. I wish and pray and hope and look forward to the day when I can look out there and see you again. Uh, hopefully that's not far away. Things are seem sounding like they're improving. And so hopefully that won't be that long away. Uh, welcome, though. And we are so glad again to have you here. And glad to uh, enter into our time of uh, teaching from the book of Habakkuk. We look forward to that. Uh, thank God, as I always say, for our uh, praise and worship team who did, again, such a beautiful job of lifting up songs. We thank them for that and, and uh, graciously appreciate everything they do. Listen, while you're watching today, I'm going to ask you to do us a favor. Would you engage with us as you're watching? Would you uh, every now and then, if I happen to say something that that moves you or that touches your heart, or that sounds like it may make sense, would you give us an amen online? Would you do that? Would you um, engage with us and say something so that we'll know that you're there? We can respond to you and interact with you and engage with you. Would you do that for us? We would certainly appreciate that. God bless you. Listen, we're still in Habakkuk. We've been in Habakkuk now for three weeks and we're in Habakkuk now. And so today we're in Habakkuk chapter three. We'll close out Habakkuk today. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to go with me to Habakkuk chapter three. We're going to read the very last three verses of Habakkuk chapter three, verses 17 through 19 of Habakkuk chapter three. When you get there, you'll find these words Habakkuk. Chapter three, verses 17 through 19 say this, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no, her be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 19 says this, God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on my high places. Amen. The word of the Lord from the prophet Habakkuk in chapter three, verses 17 through 19. Um, as I stated when we started, if you remember, we started this this teaching through Habakkuk three weeks ago. And when we started it, I made a statement that I'll make again today. When we started this journey, Three weeks ago in Habakkuk, uh, I, I said that I believe this book, Habakkuk, is essentially about sight or perspective. That's what I said. I said this entire writing, Habakkuk's entire book, uh, to me, is about sight or perspective. So then, that being the case, to frame our discussion as we've gone through Habakkuk, uh, I have tagged each chapter with a title related to Habakkuk's evolving sight or his evolving perspective, each one of them. You remember chapter one, we talked about when sight is suspect. And then last week, chapter two, we talked about when sight becomes sure. So today, as we look at chapter three, I'd like to talk about this, when sight through surrender leads to solace and contentment. When sight through surrender leads to solace and contentment. Many of you are familiar with the story of H.G. Spafford. 
Many of you are familiar with that story. You've heard it before. Let me share it with you again for those of you that haven't heard it or you're familiar with it and maybe you've forgotten a little bit. Share that story with you. Horatio G. Spafford was a successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago. Uh, he had a lovely wife, a family, uh, his wife, Anna, and they had five children. However, they were not strangers. They had this lovely, beautiful family, but they were not strangers to tears and tragedy. Their young son died with pneumonia in 1871. And in that same year, much of their business was lost in the great Chicago fire. Yet God, in his mercy and kindness, allowed the business to flourish even still once more. On November the 21st, 1873, the French Ocean liner, the Via du Harve, was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among the passengers were Mrs. Spafford and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford had planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve an unexpected business problem that had a, that had arisen. He told his wife he would join her and their children in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship and join his family in a few days. Well, about four days into the crossing of the Atlantic, the Villa du Harve collided with the powerful iron-hulled Scottish ship the lock urn. Suddenly all of those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt there with Anna, Margaret Lee, Bessie and Tanetta and prayed that God would spare them if he could, if it was his will or make them willing to endure whatever awaited them within approximately 12 minutes. The ship slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including, unfortunately, the four Spafford children. A sailor rowing a small boat over to the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage. It was Anna, still alive. She pulled he pulled her into the boat and they were picked up by another large vessel, which nine days later landed them in Cardiff, Wales. From there, she wired her husband a message which, which began this way. Saved alone. What shall I do? That was her message to her husband. Saved alone. What shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed the telegram and placed it on the wall in his office. Another of the ship survivors, Pastor Weiss, gentleman by the name of Pastor Weiss, later recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters. Now they have been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. This was her sentiment, her expression. Mr. Spafford booked passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Spafford to his cabin and told him that they were directly over the place where his children went down and perished. 
according to one of the Spafford's later daughters who was born later. Her name was Bertha. Uh, she recounts and recalls that it was over that very spot on that voyage. Mr. Spafford, uh, while he was over that very spot, stopped there and wrote the song. It is well with my soul right near that spot. He writes these words when when peace like a river attendeth my soul, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's what Spafford writes in 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 that situation where he was dealing with what he was dealing with. He writes those words. Habakkuk, Habakkuk. We're looking at Habakkuk, Habakkuk, Habakkuk at the time of his writing was experiencing. I submit to you a similar sentiment as Mr. Spafford. Now, Habakkuk hadn't lost his family, but he had found himself in what appeared to him to be a severe crisis. And after struggling to understand the current conditions and coming and, and, and the coming devastation as a result of his encounter with God, you recall, he's now come to a place of surrender, solace and contentment about everything that God has shared with him. He's come to this place now in chapter three. I love what the commentator J. Ronald Blue says about Habakkuk's progression of perspective. There's this progression that we see work out through through these three chapters. And Blue says this about this pers per, uh, progression of perspective for Habakkuk. He says this Habakkuk's book begins with an interrogation of God, but it ends as an intercession to God. Worry is transformed into worship. Fear turns to faith. Terror becomes trust. Hangups are resolved with hope. Anguish melts into adoration. What begins with a question mark ends, Blue says, in an exclamation point. The answer to Habakkuk's why is who? His confusion, why all the conflict is resolved with the comprehension of who is in control. God, I love it. And so then you recall that uh, in chapters one and two, it deals with two questions that Habakkuk has, two complaints that he has for God concerning the rapidly declining conditions within Judah. He has these two complaints, these two questions. These questions then, after they're asked and they're presented to God, these questions are followed with God's responses. God responds. And uh, you'll remember, if you, did, you weren't with us the last two weeks, go back and read it and you'll find out that uh, Habakkuk was not pleased with the response. He couldn't understand the response. But then we get to chapter three. And when we get to chapter three, chapter three is actually a prayer and a psalm, which opens with an admission and a plea in verses one through two, followed by in verses three through 15, uh, a highly poetic description of God's working in the past when he delivered the Israelites 
from the hand of Pharaoh and to the and the land of Egypt and brought them into the promised land. That's what Habakkuk. Uh, recounts in verses three through 15 how God was so sovereign and, and so powerful along the way to bring them and to deliver them into the promised land. Then then that brings us to our passage for today. This beautiful conclusion to his prayer in verses 17 through 19. I encourage all of you to go back and read verses one through 16 to get the full gist and the full picture of that of that brief description I've given you of those verses. Go back and read it so you can so you can digest and, and, and take in uh, what's actually going on and how we get to what happens that brings us to 17 in this conclusion of this prayer. I believe that as we look at this conclusion, the three verses of this conclusion to this prayer highlight the three unique parts of this conclusion. I believe those three parts, at least uh, I'm going to share with you my view on it. Three parts I'm going to share with you today are number one, his situation. Number two, his response. And then lastly, the reason for his response. I want to share that with you. Don't forget to interact with us, engage with us. Uh, let us know how you how you how you uh, are, are uh, receiving this word. Uh, interact with us. Uh, first, let's talk about his situation. It's in verse 17. I read it for you earlier, but let's talk about his situation. Verse 17 says this again, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. The produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the foe and there be no herd in the stalls. This, my brothers and sisters, is Habakkuk's situation. Right. It's a situation. This is Habakkuk's description of an absolutely terrible time for God's people. This is actually his 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 prophetic vision as to what's going to happen. This is his vision of the future based on God's response that remember God responds that he would be sending the Chaldeans to exact his judgment on his own people because of how they had fallen away and how they had become apostate and disobedient. And so God says in response to Habakkuk's question, how long he responds that I am going to send this awful nation. Right. And so Habakkuk now sees the devastation that will come as a result of this judgment. Habakkuk sees this de devastation and this destruction that will happen sometime in the future. And it is for him a dire situation. Uh, the blessings of the land would vanish when the when the Chaldean pill Chaldeans pillaged and plundered the cities. Farms and homes would be destroyed. All pleasures of food, drink. And clothing would be no more. It would be a time of extreme crisis, exponentially worse than the crisis they found themselves in at that very moment. They were already in a bad place. They were already in crisis. But God had shown Habakkuk that 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 the forecast was not good. It would get much worse before it got better. That was a situation. Not good. Forecast was bad. Uh, situation was not good. E either the present situation or the situation that was to come. Neither one of them were good. And Habakkuk 
sees this. That's the situation. But what I love is the response. The response is in verse 18. Here, here it is. It says this. And I'm going to just read the first word. The first word is yet. My goodness. Listen, you need to be typing something in the computer right there because that word right there should say something to you. That word alone is enough. We can stop right there with yet. After all that bad news of what's going on right now and what's going to happen in the future, that's going to be much, much worse. The first words out of Habakkuk's mouth in response to that bad news that he has seen that will come in the future and that's going on now is yet. My goodness. Yet. In the in, in just about every translation of the Holy Bible, that word, uh, that, that verse begins with the same word. You can look at the ESV, the KJV, the New King, King James, the NIV, the New Living Translation, the NASB, the Amplified Bible, the ASB, the HCSB. And in all those versions, it starts, verse 18, with the very same word, yet. Listen. Can I share something with you? We all need to develop a yet praise. We all need to have a yet praise on the inside of us. You know what a yet praise is? A yet praise is this, that no matter what, yet I'm going to praise him. No matter what, yet I will praise him no matter what. That's what a yet praise is. Yet means that inner peace is not dependent on outward prosperity. That's what a yet praise is. What happens on the inside is not affected by what happens on the outside. And in spite of what it looks like, yet I will praise him. I love what the Apostle Paul, he says something similar. Apostle Paul says this, I have learned to be content. You know the verse in Philippians chapter 4, he says, I have learned to be content. Here's what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Paul says this. It's essentially the same thing that Habakkuk is communicating to us in chapter 3 in his yet statement, right? But Paul says this, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in every and any circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and of facing hunger, of facing abundance and of facing need. Here's the reason why Paul says that. He says this. I can do all things. Philippians 14 through Christ who strengthens me. That's the reason why Paul had a yet praise. That's the reason why Habakkuk had a yet praise. That is the same reason why we should have a yet praise. Because we, I, you know, I can only speak for myself. So let me do that. I, like Paul, am convinced that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so because of that, I have a yet praise on the inside of me. Habakkuk says this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. That's a powerful word because it reminds it reminds him to look back on that time when God rescued him, when God saved him. And all of us should do the same thing. There was a day there was a day. And when I look back on it, when I met Jesus 
It gives me a yet praise. But I love it. So I love that. Uh, so first thing we see here is the, is the situation. Right. And then his response to the situation. And lastly, what I like to look at is the reason for his response. Why does he respond with his yet? Why does he have such confidence? Why? Why has he come to the place that he is now that we arrived at the end of chapter three? Why? It's because so. So this is what verse 19 says. It says this. God, the Lord is my strength. God, the Lord is my strength. Because and so. So that's that's the reason for his response. That's first part of his reason, because he he acknowledges that the Lord is his strength. And so because of that, he has a yet praise because of that. He is now rejoicing and celebrating, he says, because the Lord is my strength, even in spite of what's going on. He is my strength. And for me, he is my strength. I, I, I would I would paraphrase it in saying that Habakkuk might even say this. He is my strength. He is my he is the wind beneath my wings. He is my hope. He is my help. He is my fortress. He is my peace. He is my power. I think that's what he would say. So he says this, he says to add to the reason, he says this. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on my high places. What does he mean by that? What picture is in his mind when he when he says that? I think this, I think uh, when he says that, it's a picture of the deer running about on the high heels, never losing a step and never falling. More than that, the deer, if you've ever seen a deer, they dance and leap on the heels. They are all full of life and joy, seemingly having no care in the world. So the prophet Habakkuk proclaimed, God will set my steps that firmly and live, that they live and be firmly planted. And so then uh, he says, as I trust in him, he will not allow me to slip or fall like the deer never slips nor falls. And I will do more than just plod alone. I will skip about with life and with joy. That's what he says. That's his reason. That's the reason for his response. Habakkuk's peace and joy no longer were dependent upon his circumstances. When God brought judgment upon Judah, Habakkuk could still rejoice for his hope, faith and joy were in God and in God alone. They were no longer in anything else. They were in God and in God alone in his time. God, Habakkuk knows that God would deliver the righteous and fulfill his covenant promises until then. God was the source of his strength, strength which would sustain him in the dark days that would surely come in front of him. A humbled Habakkuk now realized that it was God who had and who would lift him up and allow him to soar even in hard times. It reminds me of one of my favorite passages in the Bible when the prophet Isaiah writes in chapter 40 verses 28 through 31. Here's what he says. He says this. He says, hast thou not known 
Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they See, you should be typing something right there because it's getting ready to get good. But they, let me do it again. But they that wait upon the Lord, my God, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is Isaiah's testimony. It is, in a sense, Habakkuk's testimony. It should also be ours. We should have a, a yet praise. On the inside of us, we opened with the song in our introduction. We opened with a song by H.G. Spafford. The song, remember, it was It Is Well With My Soul. So then, as we're coming to the end of our time together today, I'd like to end with another song about the soul. This one's by Douglas Miller. Many of you are familiar with it. It's entitled My Soul Has Been Anchored. My soul has been anchored. Here's what Miller says. Miller says, though the storms keep on raging in my life and sometimes it's hard to tell the night from day, still the hope that lies within is reassured. As I keep my eyes upon the distant shore, I know he'll lead me safely to that blessed place he has prepared. But if the storms don't cease and if the winds keep on blowing in my life. My soul has been anchored in the Lord. Miller goes on to say, I realize that sometimes in this life you're going to be tossed by the waves and the currents that seem so fierce. But in, he says, the word of God, I've got an anchor and it keeps me steadfast, unmovable, always abounding deep despite the tide. Miller says, it keeps me there. Miller closes out by saying, billows may roll and the breakers may dash. I shall not sway because he holds me fast. So dark the day, clouds in the sky. I know it's all right because Jesus is nigh. My soul has been anchored in the Lord. And because of that, I have a yet praise, just like Habakkuk, just like Isaiah, just like Paul. There's something deep down that says I'm not concerned because God is in control. Can I leave you with this final thought? I'll leave you with this final thought. Here it is. When we develop a proper perspective about God, our souls can be at rest, even when our surroundings aren't. God bless you. We look forward to seeing with you, seeing you next week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Praise you for your word. We thank you for those that are watching. We pray, Lord God, that they uh, receive something in this message that would encourage, that would strengthen that would make them, Lord God, like the deer 
that would make them like the eagle. Lord, we thank you that you're there for us, that you keep us close to you and that you always protect us. We praise you and we thank you. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, God bless again. And listen, we pray that uh, something was said today throughout our time together, not just the preaching, but uh, the song, the prayer earlier, the scripture reading, uh, just our time of fellowship together. Something was said or done that blessed you. And we also pray ultimately that if you're there and you don't know Jesus, that you would uh, surrender yourself to him and then allow him to come into your heart because your life will never be the same. Your life would never be the same. Your soul can be at rest and at peace no matter what's going on. So if you do so if we ask you to pray that prayer and just ask the Lord to come into your heart. And if you do, as I always say, let us know that you did. And we love to be there with be there for you, pray with you, celebrate with you, fellowship with you and allow you if you so desire to be a part of our family and, and welcome you into our family. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you again. Uh, don't know how many more times we're going to have to. We're going to. Well, let me say this. Let me back up. We will be doing this for a while, but we may get to the point uh, soon where we'll have uh, both going on at the same time, where we'll be online and maybe possibly soon we'll be able to see some of you in person as well. So we're praying for that. God bless you. Take care until we see you again. Now, let me let me just give this benediction. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Uh, may the peace of God that passeth all understanding guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus in Jesus name. Amen. God bless.